It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. It is time to talk Raiders football. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We're here talking nothing but Raiders football. Of course, a great week to talk Raiders football. The Raiders winners on Sunday in overtime for the second week in a row. They down the Seattle Seahawks 40 to 34, thanks to a nice 86 yard run. By Josh Jacobs. You know Josh Jacobs, the guy they didn't give the fifth-year option to. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. But more exciting than any of that, I'm sorry, at least for me, ladies and gentlemen, is the return of my co-host, and that, of course, is Mo Moten. We haven't talked to him on the show since November 3rd. Yes, it's been that long, but Mo is healthy. He's recovering Still got a little bit with his voice, so we're going to go easy on him. We're going to make sure he doesn't yell about Derek Carr or any of that stuff as we move our cheesecake. So don't insult him. Don't do anything like that. So he starts to scream. Uh, but we have him back here. Mo, first of all, man, glad you're feeling better. You got everything worked out. Uh, everyone missed you, including me. Welcome back. I hope you're doing well. I'm sure the Derek Carr supporters out there uh, <laughs> and the Derek Carr haters out there didn't miss me because they, you know. They had they they have they've had their battles with me, but um, it's good to be back. I, I'll say this: that a lot of people were saying, "Well, did the Jacksonville Jaguars loss make you sick?" Because that was, I believe, the first <laughs> show that I missed. Uh, I haven't I haven't talked to you guys since after the Saints twenty four zero loss. So I, I will yeah. say that even though that game made me sick to my stomach, I had to take care of some issues. Uh, I took care of those issues. I'm I'm on the right pathway right now. So it's it's first of all, it's just good to be back and good to talk to Raider fans again. Absolutely. And, and yes, no, we did not. The Raiders did not make him sick or, or <laughs> if you're into conspiracies, maybe Mo was like, you know what? I'm just going to wait till they get on a win streak and then I'm going to come back. And so the Raiders win two games, dramatic fashion, overtime wins two weeks in a row and now sit at four and seven. And I even saw a graphic, but I don't want to get people's hopes up. Okay. I know you're oh. still sticking to your 10 and seven, but uh, <laughs> I saw a graphic, you know, they were uh, NFL network this morning. They were talking about teams playoff race. Right. And so they show the division winners and they say in the hunt and right at the bottom was that shield oh, no. at four go. and seven. And you're Don't thinking, you're thinking what? So now I know, you know, we had Murph on the post game and Murph always thinks they're going to the Super Bowl, even when they're 0 and 14. Uh, somehow that's going to work out. But nonetheless, no, that's why we have Murph on. That's right. Um, but, Mo, so much has transpired since we last saw you, and we'll we'll pepper that in. But we want to get right to the game uh, uh, from Sunday with the Seahawks. And the Raiders, they start this game as terrible as you can possibly start. The Derek Carr interception uh, out of sync. But they quickly turn the page from that 
And it seems as though this team, as I called a few weeks ago, I said, listen, this team just needs some positive momentum. They need to win some games. They need to show that all that work they're putting in in practice, all that experience they've gotten in those close losses in games this year has to start to have a positive benefit. We saw it in Denver against a really horrible offensive Denver team, but so what? It was still a win. Then they come out against the Seahawks, do the same thing. And not only that, but it seems like the players, coaches seem to be more cohesive. Being away a little bit as you have, you've, you've continued to stay in touch with the NFL, obviously, with your work over at Bleacher Report and Sports Not. But talk about that. Talk about the evolution of this team over the last four or five weeks and what we're seeing now versus what we saw then. This might be TMI, but I was in the shower this morning <laughs> and I came up. <laughs> I came with up with, with your avocado body soap, right? Yes, to, to heal my body. And I came up with a theory. Uh -oh. If you think about it, right? Raiders started to pick up momentum when they switched to I wouldn't say a heavy run game, but when they started to incorporate Josh Jacobs in the run game a lot more, I believe that I don't want to say injuries are good, but in the sense having Waller and Renfro on the sideline, mm. I think it forced Josh McDaniels to rely on his star running back. And I think it's paying off. Now, I, I'm sticking to this. I feel like the Raiders went into the season thinking, okay, we got Adams, we got Waller, we got Renfro, we're going to go run heavy on the pass. And it didn't work out the way they thought it would. I believe Albert Breer was on with Rich on the Rich Eisen show, and he said this. He said that the Raiders were kind of relying on their on their offense to mask their deficiencies on defense, basically outscore teams and allow Max Crosby and Trevor Jones to pin their ears back and rush the passer. Hmm. When that didn't happen, they were forced to adjust. Along with those injuries, now you definitely had to adjust the way you approach teams, the way you approach games. And I think giving the ball to Josh Jacobs has really helped. Of course, he's he's running wild. Did his best Bo Jackson impersonation against the Dallas <laughs> Seahawks almost a year to the day. Almost a year to the yes. day. I would have lost my I would have lost my top if he had ran out of the tunnel because that would have been <laughs> perfect. But he didn't do that. Uh, maybe he's too young to remember, or maybe he just didn't think about it at the moment. He's just happy he got that touchdown, that game winning touchdown. But yes, I I really believe that the Raiders' evolution of the offense has to fact you had to factor in the injuries. Yep. I think that forced Josh McDaniels again to rely on the run a lot more. It's a really great point because uh, sometimes the the greatest things are born out of necessity, right? So, so Josh uh, McDaniels, to to go to your point, wants to pass the ball over, and that's where the weapons are. But when those are taken away from you, you say, "Okay, uh, I got this arrow in the quiver, and I don't have anything else. What else do I do?" And so he goes to Josh Jacobs and Josh Jacobs. We'll get into that conversation in just a few minutes. But but when you look at this, I mean, you still see a couple things. And I, and, and I got a little bit of heat, Mo, on Sunday night when I talked to the fans live after the game about uh, some of the criticisms I still mm -hmm. had for Josh McDaniels, especially on some of the short yardage calls that he's been making. They don't seem to make a lot of sense, especially when you're pounding the ball like you were. Um, but at the same time, I give the guy credit. I give him credit. Is it all the way there? No, I still think there's some, some, um, some, I think connections that need to be made and some, some idea of what the identity fully of this team is. Cause I still don't think they have it a hundred percent. But you got to give McDaniels credit. I know a lot of people are still hashtag fire McDaniels, but the guy has made progress. Again, I consider him a first-time head coach. I don't even consider the Denver thing. I mean, other than the negative lessons that he took and, and turned those to a positive, hopefully. But everything else, you can't sit there and say that the Raiders improved play uh, isn't because of the coaching adjustments either, because I see it on the field. I'm sure you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I just mentioned the, the switch over to the run game. 
uh, has really helped this team pick up some momentum and win games. But I just want to go back to the fire Josh McDaniels crowd. And <laughs> look, I read the quote from Mark Davis saying that Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. It's obviously it's obvious that he isn't right. We already know that. But Mark Davis isn't going to throw the same guy that he just hired not even a year ago under the bus. He's going to support the people that he hired. So I expect that bad message, but I expect him to support his guys. Right. The other thing is watching and we're going to get into this watching Dave Ziegler on with Mike Silver on the volume when he had that interview. There's something that stuck out to me. And he said, basically, continuity. How are the Patriots successful? Now, I know it's not the Patriot way in Vegas, but how are the Patriots, part of how they were successful was they had continuity. You know, you don't you don't build something by tearing it down every year. So even though Josh <laughs> McDaniels has, has done a poor job to start out and they're starting to pick up momentum now, you don't fire him after one year and then you have to start over. And then guess what? We're going to have the same conversations we're having now next year. How is this team gelling? Oh, Derek Carr has to learn a new system. These players have to learn a new system. They have to tear down what the last regime did. Do you want to go through an endless cycle of turnover? And I don't think that's the answer. You let Josh McDaniels ride it out for at least, you give him at least two years. And the other point is really quick is that you, you don't want to fire a guy after one year because the next head coach coming in is going to say, well, if I don't do well within the first 10 games, you're going to fire me after one year or within a year? You have to you have to be patient at times. I know that's a that's an ugly word for Raiders fans because they've been patient for so long. But you're starting to see the fruits of labor. You're starting to see things turn around a bit. I know it's four and seven. We're not throwing a, a Super Bowl party here on Silver and Black today. But there is some progress there. Yeah, I agree with you, Mo. And, and it's interesting because... The same folks who are on board for wanting to tear everything down yet again are the same ones that say, I'm so sick of this happening. But that's sort of like saying, you know what? Uh, I keep leaving my bread out on the on the windowsill and it, <laughs> and the squirrels keep grabbing it. So I'm just going to put another loaf of bread out there and hope that they don't do it. It doesn't work out that way. And I agree. Listen, I'm not defending in any way uh, coaching mistakes. They happen, right? But again... You're committed. You can't commit to one year. And yes, there are coaches. You'll see Nathaniel Hackett in Denver fired. If he isn't already fired by the time you listen to this podcast, he will be. It's been a disaster there. But that's not what you're seeing in Vegas. You're not seeing uh, a, a once proud all pro quarterback underperforming and looking like he's a, a terrible rookie. You're not seeing an offense that's probably the worst in the history of the modern NFL. You're not seeing a locker room somewhat divided and, and separated, even though some people thought that that was the case with the Raiders. It has not been the case. And you've said that all along, Mo, which is, hey, if the guy loses a locker room and you start to see some really concerning things, then yeah, he could be one and done. But if not, you got to give the guy another chance. We're starting to see this in college too, right? These guys go in, they're not even given two years. When you got to recruit <laughs> uh, high school seniors to play that might not even play in your program for two years, we're starting it to see people are so impatient and the pressure that's put upon these coaches uh, is great. But I think the Raiders, they need that continuity. And by the way, Mo mentioned the Mike Silver interview with Dave Ziegler. We're going to talk about that in the third segment more in depth. So stick around for that one. Mo, you look at this game too, and something that you and I have talked uh, specifically a lot about since July, since we switched over to the Odyssey Network here, has been the offensive line. The offensive line, the last two games, while not perfect, I'm not saying any of those guys are going to be all pro or even pro bowl, They've played better. Not only are they creating the holes for Josh Jacobs to run through, let's not forget that. They've been better in run blocking for several weeks, but the pass blocking the last few weeks too has really picked up. When you look at this, I know you've watched the film a little bit. 
What are you seeing? What has improved there along that offensive line that explains the improvement, improved performance up front for the Raiders? I think guys just know what what the coach's staff expects of them. I think it's just natural progression. I don't I don't see a, a major shift in scheme or schematic uh, design or anything like that. I think it's just a matter of guys getting comfortable in their role. Now, we, we've talked about shuffling of the offensive line. Andre James missed some games with concussion. Uh, uh, Dylan Parham has moved from left to right guard. You had uh, Thayer Mumford and Jermaine Luminar splitting snaps at right tackle. Now, after... Illuminar had moved to left tackle to replace Colton Middle, who missed the game because of the shoulder and, I believe, an abdomen injury last week. Um, now you're, you're seeing Jermaine Illuminar take over all the snaps on the right tackle mm -hmm. position. So I think continuity and just being in a set position helps those players. No matter how, if you're a veteran, rookie, second, third-year player, when you have a set job, when you know what your job is and you can do your job, snap in and snap out, I think it really helps. So I think it's reflecting and the run game, a lot of people want to give Josh Jacobs a lot of the praise, and deservedly so. But you also have, as you said, you have to give credit to that offensive line, which is pretty much gelling at this point. Yeah, the, that's absolutely true. Jakob Johnson, too, has just been a beast, by the yeah. way. I mean, uh, Sunday in Seattle was his best game by far. He's been doing it well. I mean, you just don't get a lot of uh, pub for being the guy who's just tearing people down for Josh Jacobs <laughs> there. But, but he's done a great job. It's great to see somebody. We kind of expected that more of him early on. But as the Raiders, to your point, have committed more to the run, he's really been huge in that and, and at times really becomes an offensive lineman. His blocking, by the way, uh, also, it, when he is in there and he has to do pass blocking, which is very rare, when he does, he's done a good job of that too. As is Josh Jacobs, and we'll talk about that. We're going. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mo. I, I also want to. I just want to give a quick shout out to Alex Barris. I know I give him a lot of crap on the show. <laughs> he had a key block on that big he run, so he he pu he pulled out. You know, opened the lane for for Josh Jacobs. So shout out to him for making that play happen. If you watch the playback, you'll see he made a very good block uh, to spring Josh Jacobs. So shout out to him. And he has performed the last three weeks in particular has performed much better. And of course that that's what you like to see again, not going to be a pro bowler long-term. I think he's a backup, but that's okay. Yes. It doesn't matter. You need depth up front mm -hmm. there. So totally fine. You want to see these guys develop. And that's what I've been saying. Mo, while you're gone, you would have been proud of me. I've been preaching positivity. I've been saying, <laughs> look, I know it's a disappointing season. I get it. It's not going to end in a playoff berth. I still believe that, but that's the way it is. So if not, look for things you want to see for the future. What do you want to see? I want to see these offensive linemen develop so that they can be good rotational players that can come in when they need to. I want to see all the young players get some reps and do well. And so I think Raider Nation is starting to see a little bit of that uh, happening now. Okay, we're going to step aside for our first break here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We come back, we're going to continue to talk a little bit about the offense. While Mo was taking care of himself, he was also very vocal about Derek Carr, his future with the Raiders. We also will talk about Josh Jacobs, because I know we've gotten a lot of fan mail and email for our mailbox show about that, but also comments on Twitter. So we're going to talk about Josh Jacobs, his, his future perhaps with the Raiders and where that lies with Mo. You're listening to Mo and Scott. This is Silver and Black today. We'll be back right after this. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. 
Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Segment two, Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast talking all things Las Vegas Raiders football here on this Tuesday as we start to round out the end of November. Yes, we're getting down to crunch time in the NFL uh, and we're getting close to the end of 2022. Mo Moten, he is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also, the Raiders columnist up on SportsNot. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully on Twitter. We love to interact with you guys, so drop us a note whenever you want. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't done that already, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us and turn on that auto-download. That would be a huge favor for us. We certainly appreciate all the support as we continue to grow here. Still behind Mo. The Eagles and, and and Cowboys podcast. Now, the Eagles, I understand, especially with the record and where they're at. The Cowboys, I know Cowboys, big fan base. But help us beat those guys, right? We don't want to be behind those guys. We love those guys. They're team members of ours here at Odyssey. But we know Raider Nation is the top fan base in the NFL. So help us get to number one. Put on that auto download as you subscribe. So thank you for that. All right, Mo, let's jump into your favorite subject, all of our favorite Uh-oh. subject, because you could talk about the Raiders punting game and somehow it will always get back to Derek Carr. You could talk about <laughs> hot dogs and the price of beer at Allegiant Stadium and it will get back to Derek Carr. It doesn't matter what you talk to. It gets back to Derek Carr. While you're out, obviously, we saw Derek Carr get better. We saw him kind of. As I said a couple weeks ago to Murph on the postgame show, uh, I said, listen, he finally looked comfortable in Denver, in my view, 100% comfortable. He didn't have happy feet. It seems like he had the, the confidence in his offensive line for the first time, and he seemed to be just more like the 2021 end of season Derek Carr than what we saw at the beginning of this season. First, let's start with that. We'll get to his future in a second, but let's talk about Derek Carr's play the last two weeks in Denver and in Seattle. What did you see for him? Do you agree with me that he actually looks comfortable? And maybe it was that emotional outburst he had after the Colts lost, and he just kind of reached that rock bottom and said, okay, now I'm, I'm going to change my perspective. I'm just going to do what I got to do and play my game. What have you seen from Derek Carr the last two weeks that's made a big difference? I think it just takes some time to adjust. This reminds me kind of the first Gruden year in 2018. Mm. Remember when they played the Rams and he looked absolutely awful, mm-hmm. threw a duck over to the left sideline, and it was an interception, and people were like, oh, gosh, you know, he, he's terrible. <laughs> this is a continuation from 2017. He was pretty much inconsistent all year. Now, he's better this year than he was in 2018, in my opinion. But I think it just takes the time to adjust. I've said this on previous shows that – Josh McDaniel's playbook system, notoriously, people have said it takes a while to adjust to that. And I know people are going to say, well, Derek Carr has been in the league for nine years. He's seen it all. He should be able to adjust. He's had how many coordinators? You can count them on one hand. Um, He should be able to go seamlessly from system to system. And I'll say, when you bring in a new system, you bring in a new receiver, new receivers, and a lot of people say, well, him and Devontae Adams had a relationship already. And I said this before I got sick. I said that 
just because they played together in college doesn't mean that they're going to pick up where they left off in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You're playing against a different caliber group of players. Obviously, these are professionals versus amateurs. Uh, and times change, and, and time has elapsed. So it's different when you're throwing to a guy against the cover two or a cover three versus throwing to a guy in the yard or in the parking lot. It's just not the same, or even when you're on the collegiate level. So it took him time to adjust. But to your point, I think, yes, he is getting comfortable. I believe he went three straight games without throwing a pick. Of course, he threw two on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, first play of the game was a, was an interception, and you kind of roll your eyes a bit, and you're like, oh, here we go again. But I think for the most part, I think he's comfortable. I think part of it, as you said, is trusting the offensive line because the offensive line is starting to play better, starting to gel. I think it's starting to come together. Is it perfect? It'll never be perfect. Is it <laughs> what it should be? Not quite yet. Not quite there yet. But, you're again, you're seeing the progress there, and I think he's starting to feel comfortable. And it goes to my point why I believe – He's going to get year 10 with the Raiders. And I let people, some people, half of our listeners are going to cover their ears and go, no, no, we don't need any more Derek Carr. We've seen enough. We've seen enough. But if you followed me on Twitter, I've said this. As of today, Tuesday, November, what, 29th, (laughs) I believe believe Derek Carr is going to be back with the Raiders next year. And they're just, there's, I'm going to get into this, but there are just so many signs. From when I when I listen to Dave Ziegler, when I listen to Josh McDaniels, when I see the players hugging him in the locker room after he gets that win in Denver, a lot of people said Derek Carr, not a leader in the locker room. The players don't respect him as they respect some of the top quarterbacks around the league. Sure didn't seem like it after that Denver Broncos win. Now, I know it's a win, but if you look at DJ Turner's tweet after the game, he said, we love this man. He didn't have to say that. No reporter stuck a mic in his face and said, hey, DJ Turner, how do you feel about your quarterback? He wasn't forced to say nice things. He took it upon himself to get on Twitter and say, look, we love this guy. He's our leader. He's our locker room guy. He's our guy. And I think Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels look at that and say, we have a locker room leader. We have a quarterback that can take us far if we have the support around him. Now, I know fans are going to say, we've seen this for nine years. He can't do it even with the support. I will say, you've seen it for nine years. But when Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler come in, they've only seen it for 10 months. So they're coming into this with a new outlook. You're coming into this knowing the history. They're 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 trying to come in and wipe the slate clean. We always talk about new coaches, new general manager want to come in, clean slate. They're not taking what happened last year, two years ago, four years ago, five years ago. They're looking at it with, with a fresh set of eyes. So it's not the same as a fan look at it and say, okay, we've seen this for nine years. Coaches like, well, we've only seen it for one. We want to see more of it. Well, there you go. There's there's Moe's. Uh, uh, it's my rant. It's your rant, rant on Derek Carr, and it's good. I mean, I, and it's hard to disagree with you. I think some of what was said, and I know we're going to get into the Ziegler-Mike Silver interview in the third segment right after the break, and we'll talk a little bit more about what he said or didn't say, because depending on what side of the debate you're on, you liked what you heard. It <laughs> doesn't matter, right? Everybody finds what they want to find these days. Uh, so, so we'll talk about that. But the Derek Carr and not being liked by his team, there's, there's many reasons why teams move on from players, not just because they're disliked or they don't keep them just because they're liked. So there is definitely some factor there. But to your point, you, you're going to make the best decision you can make for your team and and what you feel like is at the moment the best way you can continue to be on the road towards a championship whether or not some fans think they can you're right at the end of the day the boss the boss is in this case that on the field it's josh mcdaniels off the field it's dave ziegler 
if they believe in their employee, in their guy, and they feel like, hey, I've, I've talked to everybody around the locker room, everybody believes this guy can take us where we need to go, then you might do it. Now, are there also reasons to say goodbye? One is the out in the contract. That's really the only one. But what are you going to do after that? And, and this is going to be a subject that we'll talk about. And for Raider fans who don't like Derek Carr, uh, and I said a few weeks ago that I thought they were headed towards an amicable divorce. Things have changed. People, oh, so now he's doing well and you're talking. I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is situations change. If you believe, if you're an absolutist with things you said five weeks ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, uh, and and you don't have the experience or of life of just living life and saying, hey, things change, doesn't mean necessarily that they don't happen that way. It just means sometimes things change and your view changes. And my view has changed on Derek Carr because I felt they were headed towards a divorce based on how he was playing. He's now changed the way he's playing. And so now you start to look at that and all the argument you laid out, Mo, makes a lot more sense to me. And I've seen it, right? And I've seen this idea where if this team had spiraled, continued to spiral out of control, and Derek Carr continued to play as he did inconsistently and poorly at times as he did earlier in the season, then you start to say, well, does he lose some of those guys in the locker room? Maybe, maybe not. But that's how things can change so quickly in the world of sports and pretty much in life in general. And the other point I want to make, and you touched on a little bit there, if the Raiders had continued to spiral out of control, then I would say it's a possibility that they're headed for the divorce because then they would be mm -hmm. at the top of the draft order with an opportunity to draft one of the top quarterback prospects. But as they win these games, they're dropping further down the draft order. And now you're not, you're probably not going to get a top quarterback prospect. Uh, and as you know, Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee tore his ACL. So now he's going to drop. He may be available on day two. Who knows? And he's an older, he's going to be an older prospect. So everyone's just basically looking at Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Those guys come out. Uh, Levis out of Kentucky hasn't had a good year at Kentucky, by the way. Mm -hmm. nope. a, a lot of people still saying, is he a top 10 pick? Is he out, uh, top 20? Is he even a first rounder? I don't even think he's a first rounder, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. So we're at a point now where the Raiders are sliding back in the draft order. They have a quarterback who's starting to look a little more comfortable. They have a team that still believes in him. And they have their decision makers who are telling you basically that we're going to stick to the process. We believe in the process we're on. We believe in the pathway that we're on. We're not interested in making any wholesale changes. It all, all signs point to Derek Carr coming back. I don't know. I don't see how other fans can't see that. Makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you. Now, that is something that we'll we'll talk about, too, on the mailbag show tomorrow. Because we got I got, as you can imagine, Mo, I have like 80,000 questions on Derek Carr, <laughs> uh, which we'll get to a few of them. And I know I get email messages from some of you, some of you guys and saying, hey, how come my question wasn't read? We try to get to as many as we can. Without we like that we like keeping that show short and sweet so that we can talk about subjects. So if it doesn't get in this time, we'll get you next time. Don't worry about it. I promise you. Um, we, but but the we should question, just do a show. Where we just take questions all day. We just do a telethon. <laughs> and we just have like a, a Derek Carr segment, yeah. a Josh Jacobs segment, a Darren Waller segment, a Josh McDaniel segment. And just take questions all day. Yes, we could just do a, a Derek Carr show where we just talk <laughs> all about Derek Carr. We'll do, we'll do half the show, people who hate Derek Carr, and then the other half people who <laughs> love Derek Carr. And then we'll close it with uh, with Mo and I just passing out uh, because <laughs> who knows. Uh, but but good conversation on Derek Carr, and and we'll see where this goes the rest of the season. But but the point, the signs point that direction, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in the Mike Silver slash Dave Ziegler segment coming up here. Mo, before we go on to 
the break, we have to obviously touch also on Josh Jacobs. Monster day on Sunday. Unbelievable day. Uh, everybody who had him in fantasy football loved it. 50 points, mm-hmm. something like that, depending on what kind of league you were in. Amazing uh, as well. But here's a guy declined the fifth-year option. Now, let's start with the premise that somehow if a team doesn't pick up a fifth-year option, that they don't think you're good or they don't have any plans of keeping you. That is not the case. Now, we've talked about that the Raiders probably would move on from him. This was before the season started based on his injury-prone history and things that had happened in the past. So what does Josh Jacobs do? He comes out and he says, guess what? I'm going to make this really tough on you, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. I'm going to have the best year I've ever had. I'm going to lead the league in in, in rushing. Uh, I'm going to take this team on my shoulders, as he's done in my view, and and account for all four of its victories. I know their team wins, but without Josh Jacobs, this team doesn't win four games right now. Um, And so I'm going to make it hard on you. First, dispel this idea that because you decline a fifth-year option that you're no longer interested in the player. Yeah, I think people just take a all-or-nothing approach. I call Twitter the extreme platform. <laughs> uh, basically, it was it was a it was a financial decision. They didn't yeah. wanna they didn't wanna be on the hook for what Josh Jacobs would have been making next year, which is I believe a little over eight million. So they said, "Look, we're we're not gonna." pick up his fifth year option. We'll see how he does in this year. And then we'll basically, maybe we'll revisit the negotiating table in the 2023 off season. And if he balls out as he's doing right now, maybe we give him more than 8 million. Uh, Cause I think he's, I think he's worth more than that right now because as of today, he is the engine of the Raiders offense. So yeah. um, I'm not saying he's Derrick Henry, but he is the NFL rushing leader right now. I believe he leads with 1,159 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. So he's just as important as, as right now as Derrick Henry is to the Titans offense. So with a player on that level, you say, okay, we'll, we'll revisit negotiating contract talks at the, end of, uh, at the end of the season, and we'll see where he is. The other side of the coin is, let's say, Josh, Josh uh, Jacobs had some injury issues like a Darren Wall or Hunter Renfro has had this year, and he didn't play as well. Then his price level goes down. Maybe you still keep him, but you're able to keep him at a lower price. Now, this is this bodes well for Josh Jacobs because now he can up the ante. He can go to the negotiating yeah. table and say, look, look at what I did this year. Look at my numbers. I, ha- I He's already surpassed his uh, career high in, in yards from scrimmage in 11 games. So he can look at his numbers and say, I'm I'm playing the best football I've played in my career. I deserve now, I deserve north of 13 million a year. Now the Josh Josh uh, McDaniels and Dave Ziggler have to go back to the joint board and say, okay, do we tag him based on what the franchise tag number is? Do we give him a short-term contract? What do we do? And at this point, now you made a point in the in your last discussion to say sometimes your opinions change based on what happened. Mm-hmm. Coming into the season, I felt like Josh Jacobs definitely wasn't going to come back because of his injury history and because I thought, and a lot of people thought this too, that the Raiders were going to have a running back by committee. Basically, Zamir White was going to get some touches. Zamir Abdullah was going to get some touches. Derek Carr is still the second leading rusher on the Raiders in terms of attempts, in terms of carries. Derek Carr has the second most carries on the Raiders right now. So this is the Josh Jacobs show <laughs> as far as the backfield is concerned. <laughs> so I didn't expect that to happen. So with him being a, now a workhorse and the numbers he's putting up, I would say there's a there's a chance that he could be back, especially if the Raiders. I don't want to you know start any fires on my day back, but what if they <laughs> trade Darren Waller or Hunter Renfro? Ah, you know, and try to get draft capital to build up their defense. What if they trade one of those guys and say, well, 
we will pay Josh Jacobs, but we're going to trade one of Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller to get draft capital to help our defense out. Yeah. Now there, there are so many variables here because of the way Josh Jacobs has played. I think it's opened Josh McDaniel's eyes to say, Hey, this guy could be the engine of our offense and we can get it done with him. And as soon as Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller get healthy, we have them along with maybe Mac Collins comes back because he has an expiring deal. And then of course you have Devontae Adams. I think if you have a, a nice trio running back quarterback wide receiver, mm-hmm. you can get it done. Now, if you let Josh Jacobs walk, now you're thinking, okay, we don't even know, really know what we have as Zemir White yet because he hasn't gotten enough touches, in my opinion. So you don't know right. what you have as Zemir White. So you might want to keep Josh Jacobs because you don't know what you have behind him. No, you're absolutely right. The other thing to point out, too, with Josh Jacobs, and and and, and we'll talk about this in the Mike Silver interview next with Dave Ziegler, is that Josh Jacobs, and I noticed this a couple weeks ago, too, Josh Jacobs doesn't always get the pass but his route running has been incredibly improved, as has his pass blocking. People are not even, I mean, for as great of a year as he's having, they're not They're not noticing, because it's not a sexy part, they're not noticing how much better. He was pretty poor in pass blocking the last several years. Last year he got better. Remember, it was a, a point of emphasis going into that last start of the Gruden year. Uh, but he really has, and obviously under Josh McDaniels and that, and that squad, he has gotten better at all aspects of his game. So to your point, uh, it is it is a different situation. And his value goes up based on that. And I, t- I tweeted out the rules around the franchise tag last uh, last after the last game, Sunday Sunday night. And a lot of people say, oh, they're not going to tag. It's not going to happen. They're going to either sign them or they're... And I'm like, you don't know. It depends where the market goes. Now, I don't expect the running back market to go nuts, but there's there's options, which is why you decline the fifth year option in the first place, right? Now, Josh Jacobs can also take the the approach that hey, look, if my agent tells me and we believe I can get more than the Raiders are willing to pay, why not? You can put feelers out there uh, as you move up towards the Super Bowl and understand what your market value is before you sit down with the Raiders. But he has all the control in this situation right now, other than the fact that the Raiders can tag him. Chances they tag him. <laughs> I would say there's a chance. I know a lot of people say it's not going to happen, but I will say that some teams franchise tag a player not with the intent to have him play out the year on the tag, but as a right. placeholder so that they can negotiate over the summer because you have mm-hmm. that, I believe it's a July 15th deadline to, to come to terms with that player who's been franchise tag on a long-term deal. So sometimes they just use the tag as a placeholder because they intend to get a deal done. It's not because that player is going to play out on the tag. So I would say if you're thinking, oh, there's no chance that they tag Josh Jacobs, I would say there is a chance, especially if they plan to sign him to a multi-year deal. The other point I want to make is a lot of people are saying, just pay Josh Jacobs, and it's not that easy. (laughs) As I just said, that he's putting up career numbers right now. And, And as I said, as a running back, you understand the nature of your position. It's the most physical position on the offensive side of the wild side of the offensive line. You uh, any NFL player can get her on any play, but especially at the running back position where there's so much turnover. I would assume Josh Jacobs doesn't want to play out a year on a one-year deal. I'm sure he wants a multi-year contract for that financial stability because he understands what his previous injury history was. Yeah. He wants to get paid and have that security. So people are saying just pay Josh Jacobs to get it done, but they're not contemplating what does Josh Jacobs want because that's right. going to play. That's a major part in these negotiations that. Dave Ziegler may have a set number that he's willing to pay, and Josh Jacobs may have a set number that he's willing to play for. Right. So if they don't meet eye to eye on those numbers, you're going to have a problem. And as I said, as he piles up these numbers, his price 
goes up, 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 up. And he could probably command, I, I wrote this in a piece on Bleach Report on Sunday night, he could probably command north of $15 million a year yeah. at this rate and be the top paid running back over Christian McCaffrey, I believe is a shade over 15 or $16 million. But mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs could probably eye that number, and if Dave Ziegler is not willing to pay that much, then you have an impasse. You do. And not only that, but you have to consider the needs of the team, which they still have to address. You don't know what's going to happen with the draft. To your point about the franchise tag, why I like it, even in that case, it just buys you time to negotiate with the player. But exactly. but to my point is they need a lot of bodies on defense, Mo. There's going to be a lot of turnover. Mm-hmm. I know the defense played better. They still gave up 34 points. This yep. defense has to get a lot better. They have to do that through the draft. And, oh, by the way, on offense – you still have question marks. You not only talked about Darren Waller, but they still need that speed guy. They need that over-the-top guy uh, at a wide receiver position. No matter how good Matt Collins, even if he comes back, there's still opportunity to get better on offense. And so you can't give a guy money after week 11 not knowing what else is going to transpire. Not only that, but God forbid something happens and he gets injured uh, or something goes down and you just gave him a big deal. I mean, they did that with Darren Waller in the offseason coming off an injury, and look what happened. So to your point, you have to be very cautious for both sides. Both sides need to represent themselves and look out for their best interest, no question at all. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk about the Dave Ziegler interview. Dave Ziegler doesn't do a ton of interviews unless they're on Raiders media, which you basically get uh, what you get there. Good stuff, but but obviously uh, uh, state-run press. Uh, so he did an interview with Mike Silver on the Open Mic Show. We're going to talk about that, what we can glean from that conversation around the Derek Carr situation, around Josh Jacobs, around the building of the Raiders as well. So we'll be back. We'll talk to that. It's Mo Moten, Scott Branson. This is Silver and Black Today, the Tuesday edition, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. We are coming right back. Welcome back. It is the home stretch on this Tuesday edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Mo Moten, Scott Branson, with you for the rest of the way. As always, we welcome back Mo. He is doing well. He's doing healthy. He's fired up. We like that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, what are you doing? Please help us out. If you're part of Raider Nation, make sure you subscribe. Turn on the auto download wherever you get your podcast. You can find us. You can even say, hey, Alexa, play Silver and Black today. Mo is back and it will play the episode for you. So make sure you do that. We appreciate that as well. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Hello. I appreciate the chat over there. It's always lively as well. Uh, hit the subscribe and the notifications bell notifications bell notifications bell that way you get a notification every time we have a new video up there as well reminder tomorrow will be our mailbag show mo and i love it mo hasn't been able to do one in a while so i'm sure and we actually have questions for mo specifically they are not food related even though we just came off the holiday we missed that opportunity but we got christmas coming up in the holiday season so we'll talk about it later but nonetheless we'll have our mailbag show tomorrow and then of course our thursday edition of the show where we'll look ahead to the Charger game. Of course, a big, big game for many, many reasons. We'll talk about that as well. Okay, Mo, so let's talk about this Mike Silver interview. I know a lot of Raider fans don't like Mike Silver because he seems to to block a lot of them. And while some of them probably not deserved, many of them probably deserved, uh, as Twitter, as you mentioned, uh, it can be a cesspool. But this interview, a couple things. I want to start, number one, with... Um, what I heard from him, he started the conversation, talked about um, the building of this team. 
And one of the things that stuck out to me like a loud siren was what Dave Ziegler said, and it, it's, it's, it's the anti-fan message. And I mean this positively, which is they want to be patient, right? Fans don't want uh -oh. patience, right? But he said they need to be patient. They need to spend money where it makes sense. But he also said, along with calculated swings in the free agent market, i.e. Chandler Jones, um, we have to be focused on building this team through the draft, um, that's not a surprise to you and I. It reinforces what we heard from Mark Davis, even though his words might not have been how I would have put it. The idea that these guys aren't going anywhere. He's given them the time, the resources, and the freedom to build this organization and this team the way he wants to. To me, that was loud and clear in that interview, and it shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody. It's not. The other, the other thing... Related to what you said that stuck out to me was that he said specifically, he said, if, even though free agency is fun for fans and, and us in the media because we get to write and talk about it, he said, technically, as a team, you don't want to be uh, a heavy spender in free agency because that means you're replacing misses in previous drafts right. and, free, and previous regimes that had their free agent mishaps. That means you got to replace guys at a high price. So, and we talk about that V word, value. It's all about value. Because Dave Ziggler spent a lot of time telling Silver that, you know, we've heard a lot of deals. There were offers for this player, that player. But we just didn't feel it was great value mm -hmm. in return. And I think that goes back to the Josh Jacobs uh, discussion we had in the previous segment that if Josh Jacobs wants uh, – I'm just throwing out a number. This is not a report. Yeah. But Josh, let's say Josh Jacobs wants $18 million a year. That's not good value, no. not for a running back. <laughs> no. Now you're talking about a an edge rusher, yeah, wide receiver in this day and age, yeah, because they're making north of twenty million. But a running back at eighteen million, mm -hmm. not great value. I'm just using that as an example. But he talked a lot about, you know, we need players at the right value. We need players that fit our culture, and that goes back to my discussion about Derek Carr because he talked about Carr's character. Because Silver he asked did. about Carr's emotional press conference. Destroyed Derek Carr goes to the presser and basically uh, tears in his eyes, tell, talks about what players go through to play this game, play at a high level, and that certain players aren't doing the same. I think, again, I think Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels look at that and say, that's what I want a leader of a locker room to look like. Mm -hmm. That's what I want my quarterback to sound like. Now, a lot of fans go, oh, boo-hoo, Derek Carr. You've been here for nine years. You didn't get us a, you didn't even get us a playoff <laughs> win. Get off the podium. They're saying, look, that is the example we that's set in the locker room. That's what we want. And I think he mentioned the word culture to Mike Silver, and I think that's mm -hmm. another reason why Derek Carr stays another year in Vegas. Yeah, the, and, and that's the point is they value that. Now, coming yes. in, they might have had a different view, which is why they built in the out year in his contract was they said, okay, we're going to give you a contract, but it's also going to give us, we're going to give you the money you want, but it's going to give us the opportunity to see if it works out over this year. If it works mm -hmm. out over this year, and that was not tied to record, by the way. That was not tied to playoff wins. It was whether or not he would grasp the offense, get the relationship developed with the coach and with the, the team, and keep, be able to keep the team uh, focused. And so, so for whatever reason, we're not the judges of that. No matter how much you like or don't like Derek Carr, at the end of the day, it's those guys who decide that. So it was a good point, and I agree with you. Also on Carr... In the interview, Mo, he mentioned him as a nucleus player. Another mm -hmm. tip word, right? Another tip word mm -hmm. to him returning um, mm -hmm. and the focus on char character. He also talked to, and I know a lot of people out there 
think of this as an excuse made for Derek Carr all the time. But 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 Dave Ziegler hinted on it, talked about it, and says, listen, the instability this guy has had over the course of his career, it gives he gave him a lot of credit for that and says, hey, to be able to go through that and to keep your head about you is remarkable. So he talked about that. He now he wasn't overly committal saying he's going to be back next year, but who would do that? Nobody's going to nobody's yeah. going to tip their hand. This is a poker game in the NFL. Nobody's going to tell you what they're going to do because as much as they like Derek Carr, it's seemingly that, that's how I seemingly read it. Um, you never know what can happen. Somebody could come give you a trade off and you're like, holy crap, we're picking fifth in the draft. Yeah, I'll trade you Derek Carr for three number one picks. I'm just saying you never know what's going to walk in the door. So you don't commit to it. So the people looking for him to come out and say, I love Derek Carr. I want him to move in my house and be my quarterback for the next <laughs> 10 years. No, that's not going to happen. But overall, Mo, listening to that conversation that's why I've changed my view, and I'm with you. I don't see how he's not back next year unless something crazy happens between now and then. I don't want to go on another rant. Yeah, go ahead. But while I was out, <laughs> tending to my health, I, I was a bit stressed because there's this narrative out here that the Raiders are going to cut Derek Carr. And I just want to really quick settle this debate. The Raiders, even if... Let's say the Raiders plan to move on from Derek Carr, even if they do. I understand Derek Carr has no trade clause. He has to approve of any move that has to happen. He's always said, oh, I want to retire as a Raider. I'm not going to play for any other team. But players say a lot of things at the podium. You never know what happens until you know what hits the fan and offers start rolling in. So let's just settle that. But this notion that the Raiders are going to cut Derek Carr at the end of the year is just stupid. And I, and I know people are going <laughs> to clip that if it happens. Go ahead, clip it. It's not going to happen. First of all, Derek Carr is too valuable to just outright cut because let's say Derek Carr says, "Okay, you guys don't you guys want to move on? I, I'm not gonna play anywhere else." People think, "Oh, that's that's a sign they're gonna cut him." That doesn't usually happen. You know no. why? Because players change their minds. You don't cut a player who's a quarterback. You can fetch probably at least fetch at least a one a first round pick for and get nothing for him because we've seen it before. Marshawn Lynch, remember that? He retired. Did they cut him? No, they put him on the retired list. And guess what? He wound up coming back. And what the Raiders had to do to get him, they had to trade draft capital. It wasn't a lot, but they had to give Seattle something to get him. Yep. This is standard procedure around the NFL. You don't cut players with value. You put them on a retired list just in case they change their mind. You can still trade them and get some capital for them. The whole yeah. Derek Carr is going to get cut after the season is the dumbest thing I've heard in the past three weeks. <laughs> it is not going to happen, especially not with oh. a quarterback with as much value as Derek Carr. So anyone out there who's saying, cut Carr for cap space, it is not going to happen. Drop it now before you look silly <laughs> and, and, and he's on the team or gets traded. He's not getting cut for cap space because as we've seen, Teams can do so much with the cap space. You, there's so many ways you can manipulate cap to get cap space, and it's not like the Raiders right now are projected to be strapped for cap space. I think I believe they're top eight in cap space for 2023. Yeah. So it's not like they're this team that's desperate for cap space all of a sudden. There's so many things you can do. Even when a player retires, they usually adjust his contract so the team gets some cap relief for that. Correct. So this whole cut car for cap space, cut it out, not going to happen. Have I told you I think they're going to cut Carr? Mom? Oh, I know. 
Uh, there you go. I mean, see the three and a half weeks up a pent up Derek Carr contract frustration. But I'll tell you that you bring up a good point, And somebody actually mentioned it in the conversation. I think it was in response to you a couple weeks ago when you were talking about this was the fact that I wouldn't be surprised that once once they exercise the contract, it expires and they go into or the contract kicks in after uh, I think it's the January 15th or February 15th date, whatever it is. Um, then then what the Raiders could do as well, to your point about cap space, is say, hey, Derek, you're here for three more years. OK, you're our guy. Uh, let's let's take this money and move it to the back end of your contract at the very end. Or, or we'll turn we'll convert some of it to cash. Now we're going to give you another cash bonus and we're going to convert it to the end of the contract. And then you free up 10, 15, 20 million dollars uh, for next year because Derek Carr now knows he's got three years to win an NFL championship if he's going to do it as a Raider. So so to your point about creativity, the other thing with that is this idea right up there with the same Derek Carr getting cut thing is the, oh, man, if they got rid of Carr, Devontae Adams, man, he's out. He's out. He's not going to play for the Raiders. Oh, my gosh. Listen, we can all be friends. I have plenty of friends I don't work with, and if they worked with me and then they left, I wouldn't quit my job and say, oh, Mo left. I'm leaving. No, I would just say, hey, look, it is what it is. I used to play for the Packers, and Derek Carr was my friend since college. We were still friends then. We could still be friends now. No, but he came to the Raiders to play with Derek Carr. No, he came to the Raiders to play for the Raiders and for a big-ass contract. Okay? He liked what they were going to do there. So that's right up there. Those two, to me, Mo, take the cake right now. The other thing about the Devontae Adams thing that I find laughable is People say, well, he he's not going to want to rebuild with a new quarterback. And I will say this, that I'm sure that if they plan to move on to Derek Carr, they will have a conversation with Devontae Adams. The other thing is he just signed a fresh new extension. This isn't the same as the Green Bay Packers situation because he was going to be a free agent. So the Packers felt like, okay, we have to trade this guy because we're going to lose him for nothing. Remember, he was on an expiring deal before the Raiders acquired him. He was going to be a free agent. Right. And and they felt like the Packers felt like they had to make a move. In this situation, he'll be going into the second year of a, of a of a lucrative multi-year extension. What is Devontae Adams going to do? Say I'm not going to play football anymore because you traded <laughs> Derek Carr? Like even if he doesn't like the plan, like even if they say, "Look, we're going to move on from Derek Carr, we're going to draft the yeah. quarterback, or we're going to we're going to sign another quarterback, a veteran off a bridge gap guy." What are Devontae Adams' options? Now I know he's rich and he has money, <laughs> but if he loves football that much, he's going to play because what are his other options? He's going to sit out no. second year into a new extension. It just, it, I, I just feel like people have all of these narratives, these crazy conspiracy theories and narratives. The other yeah. one I dispelled Sunday night, people were saying the Raiders are tanking so that they have a chance to draft the quarterback and get rid of Derek Carr. And I was just yeah. like, yeah. the Raiders are going to jump through all these flaming hoops to get rid of Derek Carr. Really? So they're going to tank their season lose all these games and, and they have this all mapped out, right? This is how they're going to get rid of Derek Carr when they could just say, Hey, if Derek Carr doesn't want to play for any other team, they can't trade him and he doesn't want to waive his no trade clause. Okay. We'll put you on a retired list and we'll move on. We'll restructure right. your contract so we get some cap relief. That's how things are done. A lot of these theories and, and conspiracy narratives are, are a lot of, a lot of it is emotion. And I, and I try to dispel it because some people actually buy into these narratives. Mm -hmm. People don't know anything. They're just like, okay, this this sounds like it makes sense. But remember, sometimes the loudest people in the room are the people who know the least. So this be careful true. what you believe on Twitter. This is true. And I've I've actually said this over the past couple of weeks and got a little bit of heat, which is okay. It comes with the territory. 
uh, for for lecturing fans. Uh, and it's not lecturing fans. It's just like, be realistic. I mean, you have to think it's not, you're not playing Madden on the Xbox or, uh, on your phone. It's like, this is not how it works. So, so when you look at that, it, it all makes a lot of sense. And clearly a lot of decisions to be made for this Raiders team in the off season. It just seems as though some of those, and by the way, if Devonte Adams had stayed in green Bay, Aaron Rodgers got hurt again on Sunday night. He may never play again. So you might be, he might, if he stayed in Green Bay, he might be with a rookie quarterback or at least with Jordan Love. So you just never know. And that's the way it goes. That's part of the game. All right, Mo, we are out of time on this Tuesday edition, my friend. It was so great having you back. And I know you'll be back with us tomorrow for the mailbag edition. I hope, I hope you had fun and that we didn't sap too much of your energy. Uh, you have, might have to take another shower after talking to me, but that's okay. <laughs> I almost lost my voice between these rants, but I just, you know what, when you have time off and you sit back and you start, you know, reading Twitter and reading people's comments and reading people's ideas, you realize how, how far out some of these ideas are. Now I do appreciate it because it gives us something to talk about on the show and it, yeah. it gives me a chance to interact with fans on Twitter, which is always fun, but it also lets me know that, man, there are some ideas out there that people have that are just <laughs> Way out of space. Way out of space. No doubt about it. All right, Mo, we'll talk to you tomorrow, my man. All right, appreciate it. And it was good to be back. All right, there you go, Mo. Mo. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Also, his latest up on Bleacher Report and SportsNot.com. Great stuff. If you don't already read his stuff there, make sure you do. Also, follow me on Twitter. LV Gully is the handle. Also, the show, SNB Today. Make sure you subscribe uh, on Twitter. But also... Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get them. Also, the YouTube page. Don't forget the notifications bell along with the subscribe button. For Mo Moten, our producer, David Stepani, and I am Scott Colbranson. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Raider Nation Mailbag Show. Enjoy your week. Another victory week. Hopefully, it rolls over into next week. But one thing is for sure, we appreciate talking to you guys, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Take care.